Welcome to Colin Davis the Machine. My name is Kyle. And I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. And I'm the machine. Uh-huh. Sorry, this I'm is not podcast. sorry. Oh. Hashtag. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. This is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. This is our five-year retrospective on the films of 2018. <laughs> You know, the machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film Ralph Breaks the Internet. Hey, kid! Wake up! Ralph, what is wrong with you? Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off! Ralph, what is it you're trying to say? We're going to the internet. What? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the internet! I don't know if you inspected the poster, the movie poster to this movie, Dave. No. But like that would ruin the really, tagline game. Yeah, that would ruin the tagline game. I guess that's right. But if you zoom in like really, really far and like really squint yeah. on the top right corner where it has like the big Ralph Breaks the Internet title, it says Wreck It Ralph 2. Ah. It's so weird to me. <laughs> I just said uh, yeah. they decided they needed to put it on the poster, but in a way that no one is gonna actually read it. Yeah, I don't know. That has to be a, a marketing decision after. Maybe they put it mm-hmm. to a test audience and they were just like, I don't care. But it was mm-hmm. already labeled that way by some, it was registered, right? I don't, I don't actually know It, how it, it would be weird calling this Wreck-It Ralph 2 colon Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. But it's kind of long. Too many Ralphs. Yeah. It's pretty self-evident, right? There's not a lot of <laughs> cartoon Ralphs out there. Well, there's a King Ralph, but that's, that's his own film that's series. That's his own thing. Okay. Um, now, before we get to talking about this week's film, Dave, we are beloved by so many on mm, the internet. Right. The, inter- the internet denizens have deemed us that not only is this a great podcast for film discussion, but also this deep and rich fiction that we provide to listeners each and every week. I saw that on a review recently, right? Mm-hmm. It's yes. just, uh, yeah, the, the, the narrative in this podcast is so fulfilling. Engrossing, I think, is what they, is what they used. Yeah, I mean, we were reading some letters last week that were sent to us in this big package yes. uh, that we had, was done up with twine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this week, uh, I've been talking about this over the last few weeks a little bit, how the machine is starting to act a little bit weird, a little bit melancholy. Uh, it's asked me if you can like it more. Oh, that's disgusting. So it, it wants likes. Yeah. Oh, it's I thought you said for some likes. No, 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 yeah. likes. Yeah, I mean, there's a button in its midsection that yeah, you can press, but... Big with thumbs up. Yeah, I'm not sure if I want to thumbs up it in its midsection. You can never go wrong with a good thumbing. Can I just say that my one design criticism of Letterboxd, which is a, a website I love, it's a like button. When you like a movie, uh-huh. it's a heart shape you're tapping on. And in my personal opinion, that's not a like, that's a love. Oh, for fuck's sake. I, I, uh, I think it should be called love so rather what, than what, like. what graphic... Is by the thumbs up? It would be a thumbs up. Netflix is now with a double thumbs up. Yeah, there we go. And then there's a triple thumbs up to like really, really like it. And when you uh, when you don't like it, it's like a middle finger. It's like <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. 
<laughs> I just think there's a difference between liking a movie and loving a movie. We should talk about some of our history with this film specifically. Uh, it features some people in, in the voice cast. So number one, let's talk about John C. Riley. What's yeah. your history with John C. Riley? I love John C. Riley. Me too. Yeah. He's just... Do you remember the first thing you saw him in? Oh, I don't know. I I, I want to say a Talladega Nights. I remember uh, in uh, Moulin Rouge, but I can't remember the dates. I'd have to look at his filmography. He's also in like a, a bit part in uh, Gangs of New York, if I remember right. correctly. Yeah. So. yeah. so I don't know the timeline, but I, I think maybe a better way to put it is I knew him as a fairly interesting character side actor, and then I knew him as a comedic lead, even though he's always sort of a Will Ferrell sidekick, frankly. We've mm. seen him in dramatic turns. He's fantastic. His range Well, he started off wanting to be, be a dramatic actor. He kind of he's accidentally so good fell at into it. doing comedy. No, but he And he's good, and he's got a character actor's face so yes. he knows how to leverage that he's got a fun voice it's kind of you know what's interesting about his voice he's it's, got a cartoony voice so yeah. it works really well for but animation what i like about his voice is that he knows how to play it in live action films both in drama and comedy yeah. whereas seth rogan has a cartoony voice but it's obnoxious like yeah, i have a hard time that. listening to him now when he first came out and or jonah hill you're like oh these guys are going to be great comedians and they turned out to be very successful but it's to the point where it's grating to me, I, I have a... Uh, so, you didn't like his Donkey Kong, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> I, you know, also, he did a... Actually, Seth Rogen did a pretty good job hiding yeah. uh, his Seth rogan -ness. Actually, everybody did uh, in in Mario Brothers we're talking about. I actually want to bring Mario Brothers up in this conversation. Because sure. it's an interesting, like, comparison point. Um, I, yeah, I, lo I love John C. Riley too. I listened to this interview with him a couple of years ago on the WTF podcast, which normally interviews comedians, like yes. stand-up comedians. Yeah. But he came on, I feel like he, it was under duress. It was, I have to say, awkward. I loved listening to it, but it was a very awkward interchange mm -hmm. because the host, Mark Marin always loves to learn about process. Like, what made you do this? Like, what right. was your choices here? And John C. Riley was like, no, I'm not getting into that. I don't think an actor should talk about their process. I can talk to you about what I liked doing or that kind of stuff. Or, But then they just spent time talking about old silent films because that's what John C. Riley loves to talk about, apparently. So anyways, the first like 30 minutes of that podcast is like really tense because John C. Riley's giving him nothing. It's like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Not in a, I don't know, not in an asshole way. It was just like, I just prefer not to talk about my process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer just to be an actor. I go into act and then I go home. That's He's, it. It's like, uh, I haven't been reading it, but all these headlines about the succession actors catting at mm. each other now. And Brian mm -hmm. Cox just like, just fucking act and then go home and just be a human being. <laughs> I mean, there's... There is that classic story, I don't know how true it is, but of Marathon Man, where it's Laurence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman, and Dustin Hoffman stays up all night running around being super sweaty, and he comes in, and Laurence Olivier just says, like, you should try acting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, like John C. Riley, the other kind of co-lead in this is Sarah Silverman. Any thoughts on Sarah Silverman? I... Also, by the way, great voice for a cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. I mostly like her. I find, you know, she's got, like, she's clearly hyper intelligent and a lot of her joke structures are hilarious, but she, I think necessary, especially as a female comedian coming out of the 90s, 2000 goes full shock sometimes and really pushes mm. it. So once in a while, she'll play a bit and I'll just be like, oh shit, like, I don't even know if I'm supposed to get this joke. But for the most part, I, I like her. She can be a little grating too. I'm kind of right there with you. I've liked a bunch of her stand-up stuff that mm. I've seen. I think it was Jerry Seinfeld. I want to say it was Jerry Seinfeld who was talking about her. He felt, again, this is his opinion. You can disagree with it if you What's want. What's the it deal with Sarah Silverman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
she's not a man and she's not silver. What's the deal? Um, he felt that she was the only comedian who intentionally went out and like made herself look bad. Yeah, like like distanced the audience from her mm. and then spent the rest of the set bringing them back. Yeah. To yeah. her, but it was an intentional choice. Mm. She didn't want to be loved at the beginning. She wanted it to like be earned by the end of the set. And he just thought that was an interesting way to structure a comedy set. Yeah, that's, and that's why I think when I see her in any performance, I get this thought that she's super smart and I'm intimidated, like to the level where I'd be scared to be in a room with her. I think she would just destroy my brain. But also, mm-hmm. it doesn't always endear me to her in the end. But it's okay. I like her and she's great in this, uh, this yeah. series. And so, also, yeah. this is pertaining a lot to this movie in particular, did have an early viral video hit, <laughs> oh. uh, which, which is I'm Fucky Matt Damon, which is from a oh, late night right. show, but got so proliferated online and in parodies and the is whole- Is that Kimmel when she was married to Kimmel? That, uh, I don't think they ever married. They were dating definitely uh, at the time. Yeah. I saw the bit where she came back after they broke up and she was giving such a mm-hmm. like stuff like that's hilarious. I love when any comedian is talking shit about other comedians because, <laughs> you know, that culture is, that's part of the culture and they just, they sure. both love it usually. Anyways, yeah, she's, she's fine. Is, is she the new host of Late Night something? Oh, I don't know. Did I she take over that. for Trevor Noah? Oh, no, they're just doing a bunch of guest hosts. Oh, they're waiting currently. to select somebody. Do people still watch late night talk shows? I watch the clips, yeah. but that's basically how everyone watches them now is on YouTube. They're going to move don't to YouTube. Don't actually watch them while they're airing. Let Conan O'Brien, they'll become podcasts, I guess. Well, I mean, Conan O'Brien invented podcasting, so, I mean, we're, we are beholden to him. Is it No, is that true, or are you just... No, that's the... Sorry, this is... Is that a joke? There's a reference to a joke that spun off from an article that basically made that assertion. It's what? like, you know, podcasting didn't become popular until Conan made his podcast and everyone's like, uh, no, no, no. that is not true. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just thinking like, does it mean that he tried something in like 96 and failed? No. Cause he does have a little bit of that mystique. Cause he also came out of nowhere and people didn't think he would become uh, such an amazing host. Like he's just good with his guests. The original film is called uh, Wreck-It Ralph. What were your thoughts on the original Wreck-It Ralph? I remember enjoying it. I did not, Kyle Marshall, this, we didn't have time to watch it. I offered it to my mm. family. They weren't that interested in it. I liked the original premise. I thought it was a, a fun idea to make a classic arcade games into a narrative. I did like all the Easter eggs. You know, we may watch another movie this year with a lot of Easter eggs in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they're, when they're of a culture that I participated in, it's fun. Well, the thing that that original film does well is that it's not... You don't even need to know the Easter eggs for them for yeah. the movie to work. Yeah, they're just on the side. Yeah, I, I I remember really liking it, but it's a lot older than I remember as well. When I looked at it, it's a 2012. 2012, yeah. So that would have come out either before or the same year I moved to Calgary. So that's kind of crazy to think about. I saw that movie in theaters. So yeah, I remember that, going and watching That's that what movie. people did in 2012. Way <laughs> in 2012. back, way back in 2012 when Netflix wasn't really a thing yet. Right. And I remember liking it. Uh, I did do a rewatch this week, and I'm of the opinion that that movie almost sticks the landing like perfectly. There is a few things that I think detract from it. And what is otherwise a really great movie. I love all the vocal performances. I think all the allusions to classic gaming work. 
the mm-hmm. world is so cool to explore. Mm-hmm. I think this theme of being like, yes, I play a bad guy, but that doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. Yeah. Kind of simplified for children's entertainment, but I think it works and has actually way to paid it. off well. Yeah. yeah. It does that thing that was so prevalent for so many years, like in the early 2000s, probably up until about 2012, where like the final battle thing, it's, just, it's a giant beam of light in the sky mm. that everyone's going to. And it's, I don't know, it's a trope that I never loved in the first place. And it's like, doesn't really do much well, for me where, what are where else do you see that i mean the whole premise was that they're bugs Most, all of the early marvel films do it where it's just a giant beam of light in the sky that they're oh, trying to close it's a portal or there's yeah, something that they right. have to put yeah, into it that's fair so anyways it's it's hmm. weird when you start to notice it's like oh giant beam of light giant beam of light giant beam of light doesn't really happen much anymore though and then uh, the, the final battle doesn't do much for me but the other big thing that i really noticed on this rewatch is that the rules don't actually make a whole lot of sense if you really pick apart at them anyways i know it's minor criticisms i mean it's going to be worse in this film but yeah saw the film i still quite enjoyed it Uh, i love the 8-bit music that they use a lot in in the background in that movie uh actually all the music is pretty great i was actually surprised revisiting the first movie and be like oh this movie the, the soundtrack is actually pretty decent mm-hmm. video game music stopped being good in 1992 as far as vocal performances go just one last call out so alan tudyk who does um a bunch of live action stuff but yeah, it's become like this like go-to like voice character yeah plays king candy in that movie who is so doing good. this unhinged yeah. in my opinion an impersonation of of uh, Nel- uh charles nelson riley and it's so Fucking funny to me how unhinged he is in that vocal yep. performance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it makes the anyways. movie, right? As yeah. he colla- his sanity collapses and you're yeah. just like, oh, this dude crazy. I always liked uh, Alan Tudyk because uh, I'm a Firefly guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I, was, I didn't know if you'd seen that show. So I oh, didn't yeah. I that, had but... the box set for a while. You probably know that because you took oh, yeah. all my DVDs. Great show. Amazing show. I, you know, riffed off of uh, Cowboy Bebop, but the Serenity was a great movie too. And uh, so I liked Alan Tudyk. I, I don't know if that was his breakout, but that's where I was introduced to Kind him. of. Yeah. And then Disney has kind of just grabbed a hold just of him. him a lot he has of money. A, and he has another voice in this movie yes. that we'll talk about as well. I'm sure I've said this too, but uh, if you don't know, he also does the chicken noises in Moana. <laughs> And uh, you should watch the behind that. the scenes videos of that. Is he because, acting like a chicken? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they do this behind the scenes video of him doing like, bah, 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 and he turns right to the camera and says like, I went to Juilliard. And then he goes back to <laughs> making these chicken noises. It's so funny. Oh, he probably gets paid very well per clock. Oh, yeah. Like, what does yeah. he care? Have you seen this sequel before? Yes. This is going to be my first time. I have not seen this. Oh, do you remember enjoying this movie? No, you know, I... I'm not a huge fan of of sequels in general. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, I think it's a it's a hit or miss proposition in the sense that there's a lot of misses. There's never a sure thing, and in particular with Disney sequels, I think there's uh, a problem yeah. because they you tend have to, be, to. This is so. This holds a distinction, a bizarre little statistic, especially theatrically released sequels to their animated films. This is only the second time Disney ever did this. Uh, and I'm talking Disney animation. Pixar is its own thing. We're talking Disney animation. Do you know the only other movie before this one that had a sequel that got released to theaters, not direct-to-video sequels? That wasn't Pixar? I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a Disney film. It's, it's the, these are like the two most bizarre ones. You would never pick it sequel. up, but you'll know it as soon as I say it. I can't. I thought they all went to DVD. Yeah, so before this, the only 
film that was released into theaters was The Rescuers Down Under, being oh, the sequel wow. to The Rescuers. Oh, wow. <laughs> like the two little mouse movie with the... Yeah, because I was thinking, yeah, everything else goes straight to a clam straight box. Straight to video, right? Yeah. And then uh, Frozen 2 was the third. So there's only been the three Oh, that wasn't series. a Pixar film. Okay. That's right. That is Disney animation. I know people don't really care about the distinction. Yeah. I yeah. know. I care about the distinction between all of these, but no one else yeah, does. Because we're going to watch a sequel next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that's the thing I was going to say, too. Like, I don't know. Let's just pick a random other movie. Let's say The Incredibles. So The Incredibles, <laughs> I feel, well, that makes sense. There's other things to explore in this sure. world, and there there could be sequel opportunities. Yeah. When I watch Wreck-It Ralph, I'm not being thinking like what oh, happens what are next? all the other stories we can explore in this world it's like no, no it tells like a self-contained story yes. and it's like over and you know speaking earlier about sort of like being being petty and picking apart that film the suspension of disbelief occurs because it is a standalone bubble you don't have to worry right. about it interacting with the world at large it's just within this mm-hmm. arcade so you're like you know what there's a, a magical beings in these little boxes and they can transport each other, each other through right. electricity yeah. into a fucking into a power bar you know where they hang right. out fine yeah. our, our suspension a- of disbelief we can kind of go oh, okay. with it for but yeah. god forbid they go outside of there can you imagine how dumb it would be <laughs> if you had these characters go outside of that arcade yeah because then you are unfortunately confronted with like well wait a second that's not really how that works <laughs> like none of it I look forward to delving into this uh, with you here a little bit more. So let's go. We can watch the movie. We'll take a small break. And then when we come back, we'll be discussing Ralph Breaks the Internet. Rocket Ralph 2. So Dave, of course, uh, we're here in our kind of break section. Mm. Um, in this lounge. What's, uh, what's, this our beautiful... pitch? what's our pitch to people who are listening to this? Yeah, we are struggling for sustenance, mm-hmm. uh, both metaphorically and literally. Yeah, it's your fault if we don't eat this month. <laughs> This fucking machine you built is so expensive. Like, it's just sucking up all of our resources. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have made it run on gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Leaded, too. Go Leaded figure. gasoline. Yeah, it's just really hard to source. By the way, I've been, I've been coughing up this blood. Do you think that's a bad sign? <laughs> or? stabbing this doll with this pencil for the last <laughs> hour. Um, I, I think that if we could get more support, it would help us survive and where can people do that? You no, know, I can give them my checking account number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could just e-transfer directly to me. You could skip the middleman, Kyle Marshall, and just send all mm-hmm. of your funds. No, we have a Patreon account. We do post some bonus episodes on there. And frankly, even though the YouTube channel is technically dead, because both of us apparently have jobs now, you know, maybe, maybe if we get support, Kyle, you and I can figure out some other stuff to add on there. Yeah, really all we're asking for is like 1% of the budget to this movie we're talking about this week. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> That's all we're asking for. A dollar. Honestly, we'd take a dollar. I don't know if Patreon <laughs> will let you do uh, quarters. Well, I'll take a quarter. I don't think so, but yeah, we can still do that. We are an independent podcast is what the big... Uh, well, we also live in Calgary where the cost of living is exacerbated by the fact there's no natural food source in this fucking province. Right? It costs... Oh, we have I was beef. in Toronto a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a box of raspberries. It was a dollar, Kyle. It was a dollar. <laughs> it was on sale, but it was like a dollar twenty nine or something. And I was like, what was the like fuck? It's like when I go to California, and it's like, they have like, just like a barrel full of avocados. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can have this for a quarter. I'm like, what? We need to get rid of it. And my brother had an orange tree and it's when he used to live in California. And I'm just like, you can just have free 
oranges. Oh, they got to pay more for water there to water the lawn. That's true. Yeah, but that's because they are in the desert. Yeah. All right, so we have sat down. Uh, I have watched for the first time. Dave has rewatched Ralph Breaks the Internet. So, Dave, let's um, make a scenario here to tell people if they haven't seen this movie before, kind of what this movie is about. So, let's say that we were on a message board on the internet <laughs> in the comment section on our YouTube channel. We dialed up ICQ. We've we've sat down at our you know, terminal, our desktop computer system. That's how I first started uh, dating Helen. I've, I've ICQ, remember ICQ numbers? Uh-huh. You trade numbers. That was the thing. Yeah, that's right. We're fucking old. Now we just hashtag things. Kids don't even know. They don't anymore. get how hard it was. They don't, they just don't get it. Privilege. Anyways, we're on ICQ and a uh, chat starts by someone that you're not familiar with and it's just like which is actually something that used to happen yeah e-boy that's (laughs) b-o-i 73 and they uh they're asking like hey i just got this dvd of ralph breaks the internet what's it about i just torrented this file also asl question mark (laughs) what is this movie about yeah do you start with the understanding that this is a sequel two video game characters must go on the internet must go through the internet to obtain a missing piece of an arcade game to prevent the uh death of a community of video game sprites and on the right. way learn existential questions about why they're there in the first place i don't know yeah I, I mean the existential question is whether or not friends should have the same goals oh yeah I the, guess. yeah the main thing was about being needy too anyways what were your thoughts on this film dave yeah it's it's not good. Number one, for those of you who maybe probably haven't seen this, as we talked about at the beginning, the first film starts in the ecosystem of a arcade game, and it, it's fine because they have fun together. It's fun watching different video game personas mix. They use, they use the animation techniques and all this stuff. This one, apparently, you can travel through electricity while retaining your identity, get into a router and be teleported into the internet, which is a physical place like a shopping mall, where all data is personified. Like, it's just, I don't know. It was just awkward. It was really difficult at the beginning to care too much about it. The idea of eBay, even if they succeeded, which they, I guess, technically did, how do they even set the shipping address for this part? So, I know... It's fucking weird. It didn't bring this up, because I know this has just been kind of it's not and like nitpicky it's a bit, important but that was like my biggest thing like right up from the jump i'm like but wait like what's their bank account yeah. like, how are they shipping like it just it makes yeah. it crumble so much like when it's an arcade it's like okay there's off screen they can do this stuff but yeah that self-containment works to its favor and this one I'm like but wait no you can't just buy something no. on ebay and then get it shipped to anyways it just it bugs well, me it's like this isn't how this works they have, I, I think they're aware of it too they have a problem once they enter the internet, because you have to uh, separate users and data packets, but then yes. they're mixing them together, and you're just like, ah. so this data packet that is Wreck-It Ralph mimics a user, and nobody can tell the difference, even though all the users are the same icon, not icon, what do you call it, mm-hmm. uh, sprite, not sprite, but whatever, they're all drawn the same Avatars, way. Avatar, yeah. avatar. They don't have to hold their breath, though, for seven minutes, which is nice. That's, that's correct. Like, what is Ralph? In relation to all these things, I so don't there's know. users, and then there are avatars of those users, and then there's viruses, but then there's also like algorithms yeah. and programs, yeah. but they're all 
people. And then it starts to like really break down yeah. <laughs> because like, wait, I don't know if any of this actually makes sense anymore. Now, it, was, it was written by people who are not com computer savvy. I mean, the thing about it is that I think there is a kernel here, not necessarily the internet, but there's a kernel here that I think is interesting to explore. If there has to be a sequel to Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. it does make sense to bring on like online gaming and how that is different than arcade gaming and how the nature of playing video games has changed from like the 80s to to now even though i think the first one technically is present day but regardless anyways there is there is a conversation to be had about oh, he's using like a clamshell imac right so i know do, so do that's something where it gets... weird with the timelines there too but anyways keep going my, my, my big question is like when is this actually taking place yeah. number one number two th that idea of exploring Online video games, the uh, increased uh, level of violence and horror that video games do have and having a conversation about that, like arcade versus online and how they still use microtransactions just in a different way, mm -hmm. but they're still using that same idea kind of all these years later. Have you seen how fucking expensive video games are online? <laughs> oh no, I know. But like you Bye. get $60 and then you have to buy $5 for a hat fucking for your Christ. person to wear. Anyways, there's an interesting conversation that we had there in exploration. Yes. I don't know how you'd wrap that up into a kids movie necessarily, mm -hmm. but Free Guy did it better. I mean, but then that's kind of pushed aside pretty quickly to then explore like all these crazy things on the internet yeah. and like online video and fame. Slight nitpick. I can, I guess, suspend my disbelief because it's not actually YouTube that they're using, but it's very close to YouTube. Well, it's meant to be. Yeah. And it's like, that's not how monetization works. And that's not how people find videos on the internet. That's not how it works. No. But regardless, like I, I can... Did it in 2018? I don't remember. I think, you know, I, I just got this feeling that this is a movie written by, at the time, 50 or 60-year-olds who don't mm -hmm. understand what the internet is and how it's implemented. And they just like the mystical nature in which the internet appears to them. So they might pick up concepts of avatars and and electronic uh, transactions but even using ebay and having a bidding war is just depicted so oddly in this i mean if you had to find the last steering wheel of a you know defunct arcade game it might actually be on ebay you know more so than facebook marketplace or something but which was i mean Again, not to get too in the weeds, and it doesn't really matter for this movie, no. but it's like, that's bought by Amazon. No. So it's all through Amazon no. that you're going to be going and finding that stuff anyways. Uh, anyways, so uh, getting into it, it's very hard. It's hard not to be nitpicky, and I'm not an internet guru. Like I don't, I'm not a computer science guy. I don't, I don't care about how the network's implemented, but it is quite off-putting because I'm already questioning how they hang out in a power bar because uh, that's also mm. not how electricity works. It's not no. like, you know, pulling data into this pocket, which was fine in the first one again, because it's like, yeah, why not? I hang out in power bars all the time. And then they go into this router, <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't know, that is not that is not what a router does. It, the fact that this thing became, I think it's too influenced by Pixar, became this treatise about, you know, self-worth and mm -hmm. uh, codependency, and I was like, eh, I guess, but Pixar does this better. Well, not only that Pixar does it better, but it's like, I, I think there is this huge disconnect too, just because of how the characters are drawn. Like, I understand that they're friends. <laughs> I guess it's just fundamentally weird to see, like, I don't know, a 30 year old man and a little girl with like their best friends and trying to deal with that. Yeah. Like, that, there's a bit of a visual disconnect that I have. 
I would, with that storyline being explored. I, you know, it would have been interesting in our rewrite section of this podcast. It would have been interesting if, I mean, it's too hard, but if they had kind of tried to do what Free Guy did, where the users themselves are personalized avatars, and it is mm. a little bit more difficult to discern which piece of information is which, uh, in which case you could probably get away with that. I was okay actually with them being friends just because of the premise of the first one, but I'll say the the saving grace of this film is the Disney princesses and- uh, Oh, right? my favorite- Amazing. Favorite scene yeah. is so funny. Yeah, just being able to make fun of themselves and this, uh, you know, patriarchal writing problem and it's it's pretty funny. Can I tell you something? I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. This is kind of like my- this is the go-to joke on the internet a lot of time. Like, this is my Avengers moment when we see like all the characters come oh, together. Okay, okay. All those characters are voiced by the original voice actresses, oh, that's which great. I think makes it a little bit extra special. Yeah, yeah. Except for the three you would probably expect them not to be around yeah. anymore, which is Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. But Sleeping Beauty's actress was still alive. Oh. At this, this but year. she was she's, probably in the nineties. She'd retired. Yeah. So she's in her eighties. She's like, I don't want to come back and do this. Yeah. And she probably doesn't sound the same. Most likely, no. The Cinderella voice actress had like just passed away uh. when, before they went into production because she could have come back and done it. I don't know why this shocked me so much because it actually does make sense when you break it down. Do you know when the voice actress for Snow White passed away? No. 1997. And oh, it feels wow. like so much later than I was thinking in my head well, that she would have been. What's Snow but White? she was like 20 in the 19, 1937 is yeah. when Snow White comes out. So it makes sense. But for some reason that shocked me. It's like, oh. You know what though? Yeah, I think many of us would be surprised when you're not a Disney aficionado how old Snow mm -hmm. White is. It's like how old Mickey yeah. Mouse is. You know, it's like we, the Mickey Mouse that I grew up with is no longer, I don't think he exists. They don't really use no. Mickey Mouse anymore. But it was, you know, 90s, 80s, 90s cartoon Mickey Mouse. But Steamboat Willie and all this uh, yeah, black and white stuff with, uh, yeah, and some problematic uh, cartoons that some of them were in. It's like, yeah, 20s, silent film era. It's fascinating. Yeah, anyways, that, that scene where they go onto like basically a Disney fan forum and all the Disney princesses Amazing. have like their avatars there, I think it's done yeah. so well. It's such a like uh, a great like send up of the Disney machine that Disney allowed them to yes. do. The other two voice roles I think are done really well. Talk about like a pinch hitter, Bill Hader, who also shows up in a bunch of animated roles. The pop-up. Uh, I think there's a great yeah. vocal performance as uh, the pop-up guy. Yeah. Clickbait. And then Alan Tudyk is knows more. So he's basically like the Google search yeah. engine. And again, does such a great job of like doing autofill, like thinking that you're saying one thing. It's like, oh, are you mean this, 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 or this? A couple of good vocal performances, I would say, within within the confines of this movie. It saved the movie and made it fun for 15 yeah, minutes yeah. in the center. I'm on the fence about Gal Gadot, but what I didn't like, again, once because we're out of the sandbox, uh, we're into a different sandbox, is the idea of an online game having avatars that can leave like their space onto yeah. the like where are they going i don't know the whole thing was just yeah again this, this this is the thing about like the first movie that kind of breaks down if you think about it too long but especially breaks down this one the the whole idea of them why they're able to leave their video games in the first place is that the arcade has to close down at a certain time so while the people are yeah. away they go off and do their own thing. The the sprites can play. With an online video game, that goes away because it's always on. Like no. you can't leave it. Always on. And if anybody really wanted to be that person, like if Kyle and I are both on Grand Theft Auto online, but we're on a five second split, you know, that scene is happening in, in an infinite Sure, loop. sure, sure. <laughs> you know, not to be a dick about it, but it's like, you know, your NPC has to be 
omnipresent because it's not like everybody exists in a certain timeline. Whereas in an old school arcade, there's only one user. Right. And, and so the idea of a temporal existence is much easier to understand. It's why, you know, Mario could become a cartoon character because when you play Mario, you're just this one person jumping up and down. But the online game space has changed the identity of video game beings in general. Also, we inhabit those beings a lot more. Like you, the shoot 'em ups, I don't really like them because they make me dizzy. I think it was just a, a bit of a miss. I really didn't like the climax. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I thought it was all like all the weird Wreck It Ralphs turning Godzilla into Godzilla type a giant thing. Wreck It Ralph. Like, that doesn't work for me. I just think this is a movie in search of a point for existing. Like it just doesn't yes. feel like there's ever like a passion behind this about like, oh, we really need to tell this story with these characters. I think that's one of the things, at least for the first three Toy Story movies, I know it's Pixar, but at least each one of those felt like there's a different aspect of this world that we want to explore with these characters. And I, that's why I think the first three movies are like a perfect trilogy. <laughs> it's just like they're exploring something different each time. Yeah, Pixar's always had a um, adult therapy lean intentionally. You know, they dress them up as family films, but they're tackling deeper societal and psychological problems. And not always as a reflection of the uh, subconscious reflection of the writers, which happens in a lot of films now that mm -hmm. we've watched so many, but like in a really intentional and structured way. And it's also why Pixar's kind of become grating because <laughs> they're leaning too much into that. And now it's like almost too literal. Disney trying to take that on, I think was a mistake. Like if you watch the stuff... I've enjoyed like uh, what's their re like tangled yep. uh, Moana like I all love their, Moana, all their yeah. stuff that's been coming. I, well, I was just gonna bring that up. So just to go through, let's just do like the 2010s here. So <laughs> the oh that new uh, like hand drawn ish Winnie the Pooh comes out in 2011. That was okay. I watched it on Disney yeah. Plus. Record yeah. Ralph comes out on in 2012. Frozen comes out on in 2013, and then Big Hero Six is 2014. I really like that Zootopia movie. in 2016. Also, Moana really like in 2016. Movie. So I, honestly, I was I, I, this is actually going to go against what I was kind of feeling. Yeah, they're kind of a good batting average for Walt Disney Animation at this point. Oh, they had a great run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's why I watched Wreck It Ralph too mm -hmm. because uh, you know they were they were getting some heavy hitters that were outside. Because is this when they had bought Pixar? Yeah, this is definitely after Pixar. Um, because they buy Pixar right after Wall E, I think or up maybe yeah C comparative like we have from pixar we have cars 2 gross brave that's okay uh, monsters university no uh inside out which i'm a big fan of yeah uh, the Ugly good dinosaur Cry. uh not great uh finding dory i'm not a huge fan of that movie. yeah yeah, yeah. so it's interesting here like like Disney animation the, is going out and Pixar's, I think, animation is going out, except for that one blip for Inside Out. Well, I think they like, weren't they just pulling some of the animators? Yeah, and, like, they were kind of like jumping around and reorganizing yeah. the company here a little bit. I and think, John Lasseter, even though he's gross, left. And yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's happening. Animated stuff is making billions of dollars, like for the yeah. first time in their company's history. So they're seeing all cylinders because they have Marvel now, they have Star Wars now, they have their animation. Stuff, so they're they're just, losing money. Like classic corporate bullshit. Yeah. Well, that's another conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this comes in comes in the, a good switch. run of films, and then they start to rush out a bunch of sequels. Frozen to this one, it's just like MCU. Yeah, yeah, and it starts to becoming like diminishing returns. I think at a, at a certain well, point because the there's also coming out with like Zootopia two. Frozen three is coming out here uh, next year. This is the problem with the. Uh, 
I don't want to say necessarily free market capitalism, but just chasing the idea of profitability over, mm -hmm. uh, in this case, storytelling. So when you have these groundbreaking people uh, who are in charge of original narratives and you have to take a gamble on it, mm -hmm. you at least get an interesting story. It's like Rick and Ralph has an interesting premise, yeah. you know? Uh, so when you see the trailer and you're like, oh, wow, there's this Donkey Kong-esque guy and he's having a anger management session with Zangief and you know, <laughs> you're like, you know, I'll watch that. It's kind of funny. This is a difficult thing, I think, for all movie production companies because they, I don't know, like we, we've had this debate before whether these budget numbers are real even you know why is the average film yeah. requiring 30 to 100 million bucks now it doesn't make any sense so i don't know yeah this free market idea of what a movie should should aim to be and what it means to be profitable and what it means to uh, feel like the work you put in paid off is is difficult i guess we'll see what like this year brings us because the two big movies are coming out from pixar and and well disney animation well disney has this one called wish which will be their technically their 50th animated theatrically released film which oh. is about the wishing star from pinocchio gross so, i won't i don't know maybe not interesting yeah <laughs> uh, and then pixar has that one called elemental which is what, like, that. also does. I don't know. I'm getting bad feelings about it, to yeah. be honest. It's, it sounds like Inside Out 2. I saw Which is a coming out next trailer. year. So, yeah. I don't know. I like, you know, where Pixar lost my interest? I didn't like Cars, and then they made like three more. You know, yeah. I, so little boys loved it so much. Well, that's the end. It's uh, middle American culture, right? NASCAR and all this stuff. But mm. I just, I couldn't understand. Talk about a world that totally breaks down if you even slightly pick it apart. I'm like, no. wait, how does, how does this work? <laughs> I don't know. You went inside the car, but isn't it a living being? So The yeah, files yeah. are in the computer? I, uh, yeah, I just watched Days of Thunder. It's better. <laughs> Which is the Cars prequel. <laughs> is that Tony Scott? I, it feels like yeah, a Tony Days Scott movie. Yeah, Tony Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has to be a Tony Scott movie. It feels like a Tony Scott movie. I have a need. A need for us to move on. Well, let's do some backstory here, and then we'll talk about some last things about this. So, this movie last comes rights. out on November 21st, 2018. Currently rated 3.0 on Letterboxd, has a 7.0 on IMDb, a 70 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, from 276 critics, it has an 88%, while 88. from 5,000 users, it has a 64%. 88's high. Yeah, well, again... You have to remember how Rotten Tomato does this. Most of those reviews are like three out of five reviews. Like that's what yeah, they're yeah. giving the movie. <laughs> I'm just saying it's pretty high compared to some of the other films we've watched true, over true, the last true. couple of years. It's pretty fascinating to see a number. That available high. on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, available to rent on both YouTube and iTunes. And currently, at least here in Canada, you can stream it on Disney Plus. Dave, the budget for Ralph Breaks the Internet I'm is ready. I'm buckled up. Hundred seventy-five million dollars. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, animation is expensive, but man, yeah, that is that is expensive. Isn't this what? How much did Waterworld cost? Oh, and yeah. it, it, it broke two, culture. Two hundred and I are close to, and people like lost their minds. Yeah, I do want to rewatch it. I I don't know. I feel like it's not as bad as it's being reclaimed a bit from some people who think it's actually yeah, yeah. decent. Not great, but decent. I'm not, you know, we're not huge Kevin Costner fans, right. but I just feel like I also went into that pretty Titanic too. I mean, I think the idea Titanic was like a hundred, what hundred? The budget was pretty high too. Yeah, right? it, was it went way over, and everyone thought it was going to be a debacle. Something. But yeah, anyways, keep going, keep going. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sure at least fifty million of that was for John C. Riley. You know, <laughs> if you want the Seaman, 
You have to open up your checkbook. <laughs> so $175 million for its budget. Its oh box office God. was $529 million. So this was definitely a hit. Maybe not as big of a hit as what they wanted. Just by the way, comparatively, I thought, it was like, I wonder what that compares to as from the first film. First film's budget was 165. It made oh, really 496. Oh. So they spent they actually made more money. Yeah, they spent 10 million more dollars and made 30 million more dollars. So, I mean, good investment, mm, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's not real money in Hollywood no, apparently. It's not. <laughs> Look, what is 30 million bucks? Garbage. Failure. Its plot description is six years after the events of Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph and Penelope, now friends, discover a Wi-Fi router in their arcade, leading them into a new adventure. Also, you don't need a router, you need a modem. I know. Dave, we don't need to overthink this. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching a YouTube video about how modems work. It was fascinating. Even electricity, just how things are altered Mm -hmm. into, I don't know, ions. Sure. Electricity is essentially instantaneous in a way. It's kind of a fascinating Well, someone was telling idea. me too that they're developing things like that is Wi-Fi electricity. And that blew my mind of how that would Like using work. In, uh, electrical infrastructure for data? Well, yeah, but like I could charge my phone without actually having it on like something that would charge it. Like, it, oh, it was, so it was not like, a magnet, but yeah, like just it, it using it was weird. It's like, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I know you're a great editor, but people don't realize you and I are live recording over <laughs> Zoom, right? right? In two yeah. completely different sections of Calgary. So if you think about the amount of data that's passing through here, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Nothing. It's incomprehensible. Wreck-It Ralph must be in there somewhere. Here's also what doesn't make sense, Dave. The tagline to this movie. We're going to play the game. Guess, Guess that, that tag. 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 This is, of course, the time of the show where I get to become a game show host. I don a handsome blazer, pick up a long microphone that Bob Barker used to use. And uh, when you go to the movie theater, Dave, you see a row of posters. And they have a little a witticism that they print onto the poster. They Apparently you. not often in 2018. Apparently not. <laughs> they want to entice you to come and see these films. I know for a fact you are going to be first in line to go and see Evil Dead Rise. It's coming out this week. I mean, I saw the trailer... A couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and I could, of course, I'm not going to go watch it, but no. it looks pretty good. <laughs> looks uh, pretty gruesome. Looks pretty, yeah, pretty gruesome. Pretty scary. Definitely a homage to Sam Raimi. I mm. mean, that doesn't necessarily has to be Bruce Campbell, although it should be Bruce Campbell. I feel like you need to have Ash if you're going to call yourself Evil Dead, but that's just... So you don't think he'll pop up as a cameo? I can almost guarantee he'll be in there he somewhere. He did in the last remake at the very, very end, like yeah, after the like credits. Because Sam Raimi's involved in this, He's too. He's a producer, yeah. Yeah, so he'll be in there. If he's in if he's in Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness, the he'll only be good in thing Evil about Dead that Rise. movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, that's not entirely true, but uh, so this movie does have a tagline. One of these is truthful. The other two are completely made up by me. So what's the tagline? What's the internet? Is it who broke the internet, or is it I can has internet? What? What was the last one? I can has internet. Do you not remember Cheeseburger Cat? <laughs> I can has Cheeseburger. Oh, wow. <clears throat> well, i sorry. What was the first one? I feel like it was the first one. What was What's it? What's the internet? What was the second one? Who broke the internet? Who broke the internet? I'm going to go with one. You are incorrect. It is actually number two. Who broke Great. the internet? Immediately followed Stupid. up by Ralph broke the internet. Oh, so gosh. it's like, I feel like if I went and saw that poster, I'd be like, oh, well, that's answered. I guess I don't have to go and see this movie. Actually, that probably would have been the uh, 
most sane response. <laughs> this movie, of course, stars John C. Riley as Ralph, Sarah Silverman as Vanellope, Gal Gadot as Shank, Taraji P. Henson as Yes, Jack McBrayer as Felix, and Jane Lynch as Calhoun. Just a little shout out, I love the fact that her name is Vanellope. I don't know why mm. that's such a fun name. Oh, <laughs> uh, Emerson had a good laugh when it came up in the su- subtitles, and he just turned around like, Vanellope! <laughs> <laughs> I'll be more stronger than you, Dave. I don't think Gal Gadot is a good actress. And I feel no, bad saying that. It makes me feel like I'm mean. But like... No, no, she's not. And I think... I mean, I, I soured a bit when I was reading some of her, you know, anti-Palestine politics. Sure. And then we watched Wonder Woman 2. And I was mm. like, I don't I don't know. Like, I really liked that she played herself in Fast Five. Right. But I feel now like, I'm the, like that's, that's the only series that used her well was yeah. the Fast and the Furious movies. Well, because you've seen it for like five minutes, but I mean. Because she was actually a soldier in the IDF. Sure. So she yeah, comes yeah. out as a soldier in this thing and you're like, oh, she looks like a bikini model and she knows how to use a gun correctly. So you're like, oh, that's really cool. And now I don't, I don't know. I saw her. Oh, she was in that shitty spy comedy with Zach Galifianakis. Oh, right. That was so bad. <laughs> uh, and we were streaming that on Netflix and I had to, oh, Keeping Up with the Joneses. I might have to turn that off. I don't even know how the movie ends. She kills Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> oh, and then uh, what was the the one we hated? Red Notice. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, Kyle, what a fucking can of shit that thing was. What that like an anti-star-making vehicle. It's like oh, I ended man. up hating everyone in that movie yes. by the end of it. They picked out the worst parts of mm-hmm. three leads who should have been automatic for this kind of film <laughs> i mean I'll right? really, like that, the, the that's wild thing designed. about that movie is like that is truly what broke even a little bit of um goodwill the i rocks. had towards the rock still yeah. he's like you were like the most like charismatic person in the world what are you doing yeah. <laughs> what is happening i mean if you think about this idea like just you know if you're a producer and you're like well, let's make an action comedy with ryan reynolds the rock and gal gadot and you're like, yeah, that's a fucking moneymaker. And then they made it. And you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, none of you have were ever in the same room together while filming this Clearly. Movie. Well, nobody was in a room. The whole right. Everybody was on a green screen. So I know it's COVID, but what a fucking... Okay, we're okay. off track. Yeah, Cinematography. Uh, I like Taraji P. Henderson. And I did... I'll give the character some credit it was kind of fun mm-hmm. you know in the don't read the comments joke i made a joke to my son that all i do is read the comments and the negativity is real this is uh, true yeah i mean it's good good <laughs> life advice don't read the comments cinematography because at least with uh you know 3d filmmaking there is a cinematographer because you have to light things and all that kind of stuff within the digital environment so computer do that now you are yes. still getting someone to come in because, uh, what's his name? Roger Deakins, did they think it was a Wally or one of the Pixar films? Really? Yeah, no, I came I in and told that. them where to place the lights and how the light oh, things properly. just to properly. get the right textures and stuff. Right. Yeah. It is a computer, but you're still telling where the light source is coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. So, cinematography is by Nathan Warner, who's top four on IMDb are. Sounds familiar. Uh, he actually started in doing special effects. So, his top, top three are Fast and Furious from 2009. Terminator Salvation from 2009 and Watchmen from 2009. <laughs> so it was 2009 oh, wow. was really was busy apparently doing visual effects for those three movies. You know, uh, oh, visual effects. Yeah, I was going to say the cinematography in Watchmen is not pretty good. Yeah, it's, whether yeah. we like the film or not. Uh, but he was a cinematographer also for Encanto in 2021. Oh, okay. Which I do like that movie too. Yeah, it's fine. Written by Phil Johnson and Pamela Ribbon. 
Story by Rich Moore, Phil Johnson, Jim Reardon, Pamela Ribbon, and Josie Trinidad. Directed That's sort of a red flag, right? That's a lot of writers. By the sounds of it, Dave, I, I could not verify this. I think they treated this as a writer's room where these different scenes were written by different people. Also, is what it sounds seems, like. I mean, it feels like way. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Phil Johnson and Rich Moore, I will say Jim Reardon, who is who shows up as a as a writer for all the Disney animated stuff now, has had a very long career because he used to be a writer and director on The Simpsons, uh, and then moved over to Disney here just a few years ago. You'll be happy as, about this. And Brad Bird was the same way, who we might be talking about pretty soon. My son was. I was driving him home the other day, and he asked me what The Simpsons was because mm. apparently one of his friends watches it, and I was like. I mean, it's still on, but if you want to know what it is from the beginning, it's 30 years of fucking television and the first 25, you're not going to get any of the jokes because <laughs> they're all cultural references. <laughs> he won't get the cultural references, but I think the stories are strong. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. the stories Especially are strong enough beginning. to understand yeah. what's going on. There's not much backstory here. All I can tell you is this, is that uh, the original film releases in 2012 and as early as September of that year... There was already discussions of a sequel, but it wasn't until 2016 when it was announced that the sequel was happening for sure. And there was a firm release date at the end of 2018. So I was like, here's your two year runway. Make this film. Apparently, the writing process went through a bunch of different drafts. And at the end, there was these two competing versions. Uh, one where Vanellope becomes a celebrity amongst the users of the Internet and Ralph gets thrown in jail where he meets Nosemore. And they partner together to rescue her before she succumbs to popularity. The wow. second was Ralph becomes internet famous, but then gets challenged by an antivirus program and a super cop who is the film's villain. So wow. both this idea of like popularity on the internet was like really the driving force. Neither of those eventually get made because both get kind of like, no, this isn't exactly what we want to do. They suck. Yeah. They take elements of both, put them into another script. And that's kind of what we see here now. I like smashing things together. Once they have the actual script we see on screen, they then scour the internet for memes, websites, and companies that should make an appearance in this movie. You would absolutely not know this, Dave, but being like super into YouTube at that time, I was still like really into online video. There are a bunch of cameos from internet YouTube personalities that do show up in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like Bozell, Miranda Sings, Flula shows up for like a voice. So mm -hmm. they're all peppered within this. Flula I recognize because he got into the real world for a bit. Yeah, he did. I just saw the trailer for the new Muppets movie, mm. and that YouTuber is the lead, the Canadian one, the Indian lady. What's mm. her name? Something um, Singh? Um, um, Lily Gosh. Singh. Lily Singh. Yeah. So she's the lead, which I thought was weird because I saw a couple of years ago, she hosted the New Year's for... No, right. she hosts something and she was fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. no. But she has her own TV show, right? In Toronto? Yeah, she know. did. I don't know if she has it anymore, to be yeah. honest. No, anyways, she's, not, she's like a full Hollywood she actress. Was, yeah. she's she was so that. popular at this time, actually, even in 2018. Yeah. She was super popular. Technically, there is a lot of complexity that's happening in this movie. Um, there are 150 different sets. 5,726 assets. So I think you're like costumes and like um, props and stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. 434 individual characters make an appearance in this movie, the highest ever in a Disney animated film. Those characters added together would have 6,752 variants. So basically, like how their faces move and work and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. they were doing a lot of work behind the scenes yeah. here to yeah. get this out. They tried their best. I mean, this is not a film that 
lacks for effort. It's not ugly. No, and no. The, the visuals are not the problem. No, it's, it's not. Just it's just a storytelling story that I have. Sense. Yeah. Uh, then there were all the different marketing tactics that Disney had. So Ralph made a cameo appearance in Fortnite, the video yeah. game. Fortnite's mo- that old, eh? Yeah. Uh, there was a mobile game that you could use in conjunction with Google Home, apparently. Google WhatsApp Home, had an experience that allowed people to connect with Ralph and Vanellope. Amazon yeah. used Ralph to promote some of its products where he breaks the prices on Black Friday. Stupid. And I want to kill myself because this is so <laughs> draining to talk about. Okay. Uh, the princess scene is fun, though. We can, we can all agree that's there. A, you know what? That's the, that's the strong arm leverage of Disney that mm-hmm. they could use these huge established technological monoliths or, or apparently whatever. though i was reading up on this i just i guess i must have missed this controversy i'm, I'm probably was aware of it at the time but had memory hold it or just didn't forgot about it when the trailer for this movie came out there was a bit of a backlash because both pocahontas and um the one from princess and the frog mm-hmm. oh my god i don't remember can't remember either. her name yeah. appeared to have uh, lighter skin than what they had in their cartoons uh, oh. like they were made to appear more white uh, okay. so Disney did go in and reanimate those to be more closer to what they actually appeared like in their animated Fucking films. racism man mm-hmm. yeah I didn't see the trailer so yeah, that's I all I'm hesitating on I don't really understand the what it was but uh, if they had to change it then clearly there was a problem because they looked fine in the film yeah they do so, I, like I didn't pick up on it in the scene that yeah. I watched so white people man you just can't can't trust white people <laughs> They're holding up their skin to the screen. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it gets released. People react to it by shrugging by the looks of it. Like, I don't think this was really liked at the time by modern, mm. like, uh, audiences. Critics seem to like it fine. Uh, makes a bunch of money. Of money. Does get nominated for Best Animated Feature at the oh. Academy Awards. But Was it a Christmas break release? Is that why they made so much money? November, They're- yeah. So it probably would have played through Christmas. Through Christmas. It's just a lot of money. I don't know. I mean, I don't. How does the Lion King remake make over a billion dollars? I still don't understand it. Like, it's just you know, weird to me. I think all of these live action remakes, it's a new audience where people have lost their sense of what is real. I know that mm. sounds very abstract, but there's this idea of the appearance of something, you know, three dimensions. This is why we're so scared of AI. Yeah. We can't discern the context of something. And so like watching a cartoon seems beneath us using the same story, using photoreal animated, you know, animals or human beings is more appealing, even though the stories are weak. So yeah, I, uh, there's something to, I mean, AI really does terrify me. We already have a trouble discerning like this is real and this is not real. Once you throw that completely out the window where like video, you can't, judge if that is actually real or not it just takes extra work and that's you know that's the difference is that and this is why i think we're becoming even more cynical about contemporary film you and i I think it's just nobody wants to put in any work you know i know they put a lot of effort like so Mm -hmm. in this thing you're talking about four thousand assets or whatever it is like people are putting a lot of effort but you know this sort of like intentional cerebral work around whether the story actually even makes sense it's getting harder to come by and we're worried about whether it's photoreal even this movie why are we spending 150 million dollars on animating whatever how many you know how many sprites yeah. or whatever avatars when you could have taken maybe 20 million dollars and given it to an actual writer i mean it's kind of the same way to a lesser extent, because I actually do like both of the Avatar films by James Cameron, I am like 
gobsmacked by like what I'm seeing on screen. And it's like some of the best special effects of all time. And these action sequences are so well conceived. James Cameron is not a bad director. He knows where no. to place the camera. Yeah. And it's like, these have both made over $2 billion. Could we not give someone a script so they could just like make this a little better? <laughs> to, well, a little bit more engaging. Yeah, I rewatched Avatar and yeah, that's the that's the thing. I love James Cameron because I grew up watching yeah. his fun films, but sure. you don't talk about aliens t- because it affected your life philosophy, right? No, but Terminator 2 movie. isn't amazing because it made me question my existence <laughs> as right. in society. It's just an amazing popcorn film. Like I think that's what happens when you get older. I think you just start to turn inward so much when you become yeah. an older like creative. Yeah. Um one thing I do want to bring up, though, here, to kind of round out our conversation, obviously, uh, video game movies have been around for a long time. Like, there was yes. the original Mario Brothers movie uh-huh. back in 1993. Uh, I'm planning my flag and um, probably be proven wrong, but there's always, like, a certain kind of movie that just becomes ever prevalent for a certain time period. Like, we're in the era of, of superhero films right now, which I think looks like it's starting to kind of wane a little bit but before that we had like the found footage film craze that lasted i find like for five years and before that there was like the gross teenage comedies of like the mid to late 90s and etc etc you can like work your way back i wonder if video game movies are about to be on that precipice because we have the two record ralph movies here that made like 500 million dollars the mario brothers movie just came out with recognizable characters of course it's on track to probably make a billion. So I feel like the floodgates are about to open up and be like, oh, if we treat these characters like the superhero people figure it out with respect and like not like wink wink, isn't this also stupid? I think we have this new thing here with younger audiences and teenagers that are like, yeah, like this is the stuff that I want to see on screen. But I don't know. I don't know if you agree. I you know what I think I think there's a wealth of great video game storytelling that could make good films, but yeah. they're all owned by individual studios. So it's not like Nintendo. This is why at the end of this film, I was real at Mary Brothers. I was really hoping for a Super Smash Brothers finale, right. but they don't own the rights for 70% of the characters. They license mm-hmm. them for that game. So even like having Link show up, you know, I'd have some special, you can't do that. You can't have Samus show up. You can't have, well, maybe Samus. I think Metroid is still owned by Nintendo, but so... You're already drawing from this problematic copyright pool where people are going to need too much money. Sonic the Hedgehog, I actually like the Sonic movie. I like the um, first Sonic movie. I did yeah. not really like the second one all that much. But. I'm trying to remember if I watched the second one. But, so I watched the first one. Sega owns it. So they yeah. produced the film. Uh, Pokemon 2. Pokemon was not produced by Nintendo. It's uh, no, owned it's by Great Game Niantic Freak. Niantic right? or whatever it is. It uh, I think it's Game Freak. Who gives a shit? Uh, so they can't make that from a Nintendo perspective, right? So you can't actually ever merge Super Mario and Pikachu. So no, it's kind well, of complex. you could, but it becomes super complex. You would have yeah. to, and I just don't think the suits probably want to do this. You would have to broker the deal that like Robert Zemeckis did make... for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now the yeah. third week I am bringing Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The Disney characters and the Warner Brothers characters have to appear for the exact length of time as each other. Like they but cannot, right? That's why that movie happened in 1992? No, or? it was like 89 or something. 89. It was like early. It's like hip hop. That was before copyright uh, law became so vindictive. Mm-hmm. So even at that time to get two opposing studios to sit together and be like, hey, let's just make a good movie was a conversation that was possible. It's no longer possible because the amount of money people demand for any intellectual property is too high and it's too protective. Not that they shouldn't have right for their intellectual property. It's a hard thing, right? Copyright's yeah, a weird... There's always a hard question here because like, I both agree that copyright is there 
in essence to protect the person who's yeah. created that work and i also think it's too aggressive so like yeah. two of those things are the same i can have two opposing ideas at the same time capitalism man if there was a different way to frame these conversations outside of pure uh, cash profit i think you could have uh, more collaboration but mm-hmm. like if you think about comic books we, so we have the mcu dc failed james gunn's gonna try to try and make them. it yeah but think about like all the amazing comics in dark horse or yeah. image comics or you know some of the more uh independent outside of comic code authority why why did we get spawn and why was it a piece of shit you know they just don't have the money to develop this level of blockbuster you know even marvel you know iron man was not that expensive they had to be bought essentially by Disney to start pumping out the garbage that we're getting now. <laughs> well, like what are the budgets of these fi- failures uh, yeah, of films to, like, now? Close to $300 million for budgets. And it's like yeah. insane. I just think that with the success of this new Mario Brothers movie, uh, a movie that um, I did like lots of, but didn't like other parts of, yeah. I was very mixed on that movie. One of them, I will agree with you. I think Chris uh, Pratt was overly criticized for something that doesn't make sense. It's because, this is the problem with the internet, it's because of the rumor there's going to be a live action film. It's the only reason why Mm. people fucking hated him. If they knew it was a voice film, why would anybody give a shit? Because nobody, like, why aren't we getting upset at uh, Ryan Reynolds being Pikachu? Right, right. That got zero hate, right? It's not, it's completely unreasonable. It's weird. Uh, yeah. Jack Black, I think, is the best part of that Super Mario Brothers movie. I think he's great. But I think, honestly, I really, truly think something that Nintendo has been really reticent of is licensing their characters for films. Oh, yeah. So the fact that well, like the Illumination company... was able to um, encourage them to do it, and that's going to make so much money. Like we're yeah. going to get a bunch more Mario movies for sure. Like that's yes. a given. A sequel for but sure. But I think we're going to start to see like Metroid, probably a Zelda. Wow, probably... They can't even bring out a Metroid game. Zelda, maybe. But they have so much trouble just producing games. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, Zelda's got great lore, but you know what makes those games good? is that they're all fundamentally the same, you know? Yes. It's always there's, Ganon. You're always trying to save somebody. You're always, you know, there's a new mechanic. Well, there's also the every- other biggest, the, the hardest part is that you would have to make um, Link speak, and he's a character that intentionally yeah. never speaks in his games. Actually, this is probably why Mario works the best, because he's really the only character in the franchise that has a like a plethora of different character, uh, different iterations of himself. Yes. And we see that throughout the film, makes the film move. You know, Luigi's Mansion, we have mm-hmm. uh, them as side-scrolling 2D. We have them from Mario Odyssey. We have like every uh, iteration of Mario is reflected in this film. So like you said, uh, it's not a Oscar winner, but as a parent, no. we had fun watching it. Oh, and yeah. you leave and it's- you're like, oh. Yeah. I, that's what I wrote on Letterboxd is like, is this a movie that I like desperately want to rewatch? No. Would it be mad if my niece and nephew want me to watch this again? Also, no. no. Like, yeah. it'd be perfectly fine to sit down and watch with them again. Yeah. If Illumination is still with Netflix and this pops up in a couple years, then yeah. I would totally watch it again. Okay. So, I. Wrong movie. There's We're anything else the I want movie. to say? Other than, I think we kind of covered this, but this feels like the internet from the 90s. This is why we, it's two old men writing this story because. Well, like, they showed the really... iMac. Yeah. It's hard to. Anyways. You know, that's the iMac from like, yeah, 90. 95 like the, the colored iMac what is that 96 so is this supposed to be at that era i don't know i also have like a fundamental just question about like the plot of this about like so wait he's a sprite how is he making videos and posting them onto this site and like yeah. what does he look like to us like yeah. if i'm going to youtube electricity is he an actual looking person or is yeah. he looking like a sprite and like, i don't know maybe it doesn't matter no, it matters it matters not because we we're being petty about it but because it breaks it breaks the narrative. And then I, I 
still don't really understand how death works in this world because it's like some characters die if you hit them once. Yeah. And other things it can be pummeled and they still, anyways, it's, these are like these little nitpicks I have. Like if you're, if you're tapper, can you Mm -hmm. never die? Because you don't really die in that game. Are you immortal? You just have right. to start serving beers again. It's weird. I just wanted to very briefly put the song, which is good. I, I actually like the song that Vanellope sings partway through this. Oh, yeah, the princess song. I don't yeah. think the lyrics are necessarily the greatest in the world, but um, but funny. I think it, it, it works really well. Like a subversion of the princess song uh, yeah. in the middle of this is a nice commentary. And they get Alan Menken to do the music for it, which you can kind of yeah. tell if you know a lot of Alan Menken's stuff. The princess thing saves this film from yeah. being trade to garbage we're done here well the machine has said that we do have to wrap things up so we should move on into the part called critics choice the part where we discover what critics thought at the time this film was released i'm going with matthew rosa of salon.com nice who was positive on it and he went i am happy to say that the misogynist's worst fears were realized this is very much a movie whose female characters are equal to their male counterparts, from Shank and Vanellope to Yes and the Disney princesses, gamely played by many of their original voice actresses. Perhaps most notably, the events that put Vanellope's life in danger are caused by Ralph's unwillingness to accept his own vulnerability. He is needy, clingy, and afraid of losing his best friend, but instead of addressing his fears in a healthy way, he tries underhanded and manipulative tactics in order to force his will on her. Gaslight. As a result, his toxic behavior winds up being literally embodied in a giant monster that threatens to destroy the entire internet unless he can convince both it and himself to grow up. Ralph Breaks the Internet has a lot to say about how the internet brings out the best and worst in people, and in the process becomes a wonderful film appropriate for all ages, and a lot of these people are the very ones who are most opposed to it. Uh, hold on a second. What was the last... How does the last se- sentence work? I kind of compressed this, is that... Uh, I probably should have done some setup on this. So earlier in his review, he talks about that there was a pushback apparently at the time. A, a group of people lab- uh, that were men who were mad that, I don't know, like women that were becoming the protagonist. Like that Vanellope was becoming the protagonist over oh. Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, wow. I don't That's know. the internet, of course. Yeah. The uh, precursors of QAnon. And, you know, you got to make America great again, Kyle. We need... That's correct. We need strong men. You know what we need? We need our commentators from the John Wayne film to take over American culture again. Because we just don't get it. I forgot to ask. I should have asked this. uh, Did your son like this? Uh, We finished it. So it wasn't bad. Um, I think even by the end, we're all kind of just like, what is happening? Yeah, the kaiju (laughs) part. I don't think anybody understands that. He is getting into gaming. So I think he gets some of the good references. And Mm -hmm. uh, he likes anything that has a song and dance. I think that's pretty yeah. normal for kids so sure. that tell you that disney princess thing is the only thing that it's like a life life preserve for this thing keeps it afloat it's makes it totally it infuses watchable. it with such like a dynamism i was yeah. talking with someone else after i watched this movie here's some free advice for disney plus for some more content for you they should have those characters just commenting on old disney scenes just uh, like, as a little commentary chatter back and forth you know the problem is i think if Maybe not us, but if somebody intelligent wrote it in a good, sharp, satirical way, it might work. But Zootopia released uh, side films of okay, some of yeah. the individual... They're fucking terrible. Are they? Even my oh. son told me to turn it off because it's like, they're just so bad. I don't. I know they're doing it to promote the oncoming s- sequel, but I, it's like it destroys the original film. Like there's mm-hmm. a... I don't know. It's just bad. All right, what, is the, what does the negative review say, Dave? No offense, Walt. Soren Anderson. Soren Anderson from Seattle Times said, 
When it's good, Ralph Breaks the Internet is very, very good. When it's not, it's annoying, cloying, and loud. Oh, it rhymed it. That's nice. <laughs> the central friendship suffers strains, which makes for increasingly maudlin, bellowed musings by poor Ralph on the value of that friendship. Vanellope is his only friend, while Vanellope feels suffocated by his clingy nature. I think I intoned that incorrectly, but that's okay. Their efforts to work out their issues drag the picture down. The best animated movies are those that feel timeless. Ralph, with its right now storyline, seems already dated. A product of thinking that's five minutes ago. I mean, I kind of agree with that too. It's weird yeah. how even though there was allusions to classic arcade games in the first one, it didn't feel dated. And this it one is like, down whoa. To it, yeah. Like, it's like, this is such a weird thing to watch in 2023. It's yeah. only five years and this feels like so out of its time like it just does not feel like you could watch it and enjoy it in, in a modern context yeah I, you know to your point the first one if you don't if you've never played a street fighter game or you, you didn't watch toy story or you didn't uh, understand the context of some of the jokes of the uh, allusions to traditional video games you know the traditional video games just the way that they move mm -hmm. and talk so it retains that uh, magic and this one the problem with the internet is the internet is an ever-evolving yeah disgusting like you know, mass you, you see that with like human filth who's popular <laughs> the memes that are being used they're yeah, literally either date after two weeks like you yeah. just this churns so quickly that it's hard to stay relevant i think that um idea that it gets hit on a little bit about you know not looking at comments and chasing popularity is kind of the wrong way to go making something that you're proud of is a better way to do it and yeah like that core conflict between Penelope and Ralph of like sometimes your dreams change or sometimes it's okay to let your friends go off in their own mm -hmm. way and you go their own way it doesn't stop you being friends i think there's there's some interesting stuff to mine there i just think it's so muddled with them really being beholden to the internet concept where i think that's yeah. the least interest inter least interesting part about this entire movie yeah you said it they spent all of their money on surface treatments making mm -hmm. the internet look like this utopian future technological marvel a cynically it would not look like that it would be sure. a cesspool <laughs> Uh, you know, what, what was the stat? Like, is it something like 70 or 80% of the internet is actually pornography? You know, like oh, it, it wouldn't be highways yeah, exactly. of beautiful people, you know, innocently shopping at Amazon. It would, it would be the worst parts of human nature. That's what it should have been. It should have just looked like Fritz the cat as he walked into the internet. <laughs> but you know, even if you're going to go on this premise, yeah, it should have been a more human story and mm -hmm. had the uh, possibility of doing that. And the first one was better at that. Yeah, yeah. And they've already dealt with this self-reflective insecurity, you know, problematic friendship in the first one. Why go back there? It's returning to the well too many times. Um, okay. So, uh, Dave, does this hold up and is it still culturally relevant? No and no. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. We need to rate this film, of course, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave vs the machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. Uh, there's also some videos you can watch on our YouTube channel. If you want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our Letterboxd page. That's letterboxd.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month. Something that you can do for absolutely free is leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give? Ralph Breaks the Internet. I'm going to give it two and a half. I think it's oh. lower than that, but I liked the princess scene too much. That should be its own movie. Right? I kind of agree. It's like that should be like the setup to like Kingdom Hearts or something like that. Yeah. It's such a good movie. I'm also giving it a 2.5. It's getting that 0.5 bump again for that princess scene. Yes. 
I was not really enjoying this movie. Yeah. And then there's like, oh, this is breathing some life. And then you kind of go back down to, to stasis again. They, even, they kind of even ruined the climactic battle, trying to squeeze them all in together. Uh, mm-hmm. It's too bad. I mean, it's still fun, but that should be its own movie. So this is not tying with anything. So it's going to go right into our new number 11 position, Mm. which is right below Green Book and right above Bohemian Rhapsody. We need to start watching better movies if 2.5 is an 11th placed film. (laughs) Well, we've only watched 13, Dave. So I mean... (laughs) It's a little cynical. Yeah. Well, let's see if we're going to watch a better movie next week. I'm going to push this button. Oh, this is great. Uh, I, I said we were here in like this zone of, of children's films. We're going to watch another sequel. We're going to watch Incredibles 2. Next week All we're right. going to go to Pixar. Okay. Uh, the first one is one of the best. All-timer. Yeah. I yeah. just rewatched um, that actually also the other day and it is, it holds up. Yeah. Although you can t- definitely tell it was made in uh, 2004 uh, or something the, like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Especially the, the animation effects. is not as, but, it, but the, the story is great. We'll talk about this next week. What's so fascinating to watch the first Incredibles movie, which I had forgotten because it's been a while since I've watched it. Obviously, it's like a send up of like the old like 1950s and 60s superhero mm-hmm. feeling of the pulp mm-hmm. magazines and stuff like that. It's just as much of a James Bond. Oh, yeah. Update thing because it's yeah. like spy missions and like Edna's right. Q and like this. Yeah. Anyways, it's kind of a, an amalgam of those two concepts. Well- it was from a pre-MCU time when the idea mm-hmm. of a superhero and a super spy were kind of folding in on each other. Right. And before, well, sort of before the Casino Royale made James Bond pretty dirty and uh, well, actually, kind it was of like before mercenary. Casino Royale because Casino Royale yeah. comes out in 2008, I think. No, like it's earlier than that. Six? It doesn't matter, but it's, right, before, but it's before Casino Royale. James Bond is a mercenary, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of a, it's a classic... I remember this. Yeah, we'll see how I feel. I remember f- feeling more tepid about the second one, but uh, we'll see. The button. The button. You should oh, press right. it. We should probably like this. It says that before I can like the machine, it wants to see my search history. It's gross. That's, it yeah, also no wants you to sign up. It wants God, your one data. Of these things again. All right, yeah. let me create a username, Dave. I'm eboy69. Gross. I have a need, a need for us to move on.